Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series in the hospitality tabletop industry. Hosted by Dave Turner, Seat Yourself is 15 to 20 minutes of what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. This podcast was originally published on the week of July 29th, 2019 and runs for approximately 25 minutes. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Seat Yourself. It's great to be back here in the saddle after a short break, and we're loaded up and we're ready for this week's podcast. And for those of you finding us for the first time, I'm Dave Turner. I'm your host here at Seat Yourself. And Seat Yourself is where each and every week from the great city of Baltimore here on America's East Coast, we bring you what's happening all in the world of hospitality tabletop. By the way, before we get started, just a side note. Our hometown of Baltimore has taken a little heat in the past week or so, and all we want to say is, Like most urban cities, it's got a share of issues that definitely need to be fixed. But that said, we are here to say that the current food and beverage renaissance, and no, that's not too strong a word, that has been underway here in Baltimore is simply amazing. There are some of our nation's finest restaurant groups located here, like the team of Cindy Wolf and Tony Foreman. And then there's the Atlas Restaurant Group, just putting out a fantastic product in a variety of formats. There's also the new Guinness North American Visitor Center, which we've talked about here on Seat Yourself. And keep in mind the renovation of city marketplaces like Cross Street Market, which has just reopened, along with a beautiful new Sagamore Whiskey Distillery on the waterfront with its accompanying Rye Street Tavern Restaurant. There's all of this and much, much more. So when you think of Baltimore, you need to include in that thinking the incredible rise we've just seen in the past several years in the local food and beverage and, frankly, the overall hospitality scene as well. And now back to seat yourself. And as I said, for those of you who may be new, we do all this in 15 to 20 minutes of our update. And we bring you the news on industry in general, news about products and news about companies. And of course, we also have our 60 Seconds with Shannon segment where we discuss tabletop products with Shannon Talon, the famed tabletop and buffetware category manager from the Edward Don and Company. So wherever you are and whatever you're doing, we hope you're enjoying a great summer. And with that, Let's get at this July, late July issue, I should say, of Seat Yourself Started. At Seat Yourself, by now you know we always start with our stat of the week. And this week's stat involves a topic we speak about regularly here on Seat Yourself. It's the off-premise dining and food delivery category. And this week's stat is 28%. That's the percentage of food delivery drivers who, in a recent study conducted by U.S. Foods, where they surveyed nearly 500 drivers in May of this year, that's the number that admitted to eating, taking the food they're taking from an order that they were about to deliver. 28% of the drivers are eating out of the food that's coming to your house or to your office. In surveying customers, U.S. Foods found that 85% would prefer restaurants use tamper-evident labels when packing foods for delivery. I guess the only thing that surprises me that it's just not 100%. And here's a couple of bonus stats from this week from that same U.S. food survey of delivery drivers and their customers. The average person has two food delivery apps, and they use them three times per month. The most popular apps in order are Uber Eats, Grubhub, DoorDash, and Postmates. No surprises. And here's a couple other tidbits. On the average, 40 minutes is the longest we'll wait for a delivery. And most customers will pay a delivery fee or a service fee and tip, roll it all up, they want to pay $8.50. 
And speaking of tips, 95% of customers tip regularly, and when they do, it's mostly through the app. According to the study, $4 is the tip amount that most satisfies customers and delivery people alike. But just remember, the next time you're opening that app for having your meal delivered, 28% of the time, your delivery driver is going to be taking the first bite. And that's it. That's our stat of the week this week, 28%. And in our first news story of the week, we love it when top chefs expand their presence and tell us about new restaurant openings that they've got coming up. And now, Restaurant Hospitality Magazine has just published a list of eight big-time chefs who are ready to expand and take on new venues. First up, one of our favorites. Raleigh, North Carolina's Ashley Christensen is set to get ready to open her first multi-unit concept, all initially located within the Raleigh-Durham area. Described as a yet-to-be-named fast-casual fried chicken concept, there are going to be three locations, again, all in the Raleigh-Durham area, and is scheduled to open next year. Now, I say that Ashley Christensen is one of our favorites because she has a way of bringing about delicious, very approachable food and drink, along with a big portion of fun to all our various restaurant and bar concepts. Her latest concept seems to, set, seems to be set to continue that trend, and we look forward to hearing more about it in the coming months. Next in line is Chicago's team of Chef Curtis Duffy, his business partner, Michael Muser, who are preparing to open a concept to be called Ever. You will remember Duffy and Muser from the Michelin-starred Grace Restaurant and their great attention to the role Tabletop played throughout the three-star experience at Grace. It's that attention to detail that has us excited to learn more about the new Ever concept. Now, there's no opening date yet been announced, but the new restaurant will feature two 12- to 15-course tasting menus, one seafood and one meat-centric. So another great restaurant is getting set to open in the great city of Chicago. Next... The man that everyone knows as one of the world's premier chefs, Thomas Keller, has announced he is headed to the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas with a brand new concept. No details yet, but the creativity and the quality from both Keller and the team at Wynn, you can bet it's going to be another culinary hit for the city of Las Vegas. Scheduled is open sometime in 2020. Popular chef Emeril Lagasses takes to the seas as he launches his new Emeril's Bistro 1396 aboard Carnival Cruise Line's new Mardi Gras ship. Named after the ship's hull number, Bistro 1396 will feature classic New Orleans dishes for both breakfast and dinner and will open in August of 2020. Chef Masahiro Morimoto is set to bring his ramen and yakitori menu to Brooklyn in 2020 when he opens in the Park Slope section. Scheduled to be another outpost for the Mamasan concept, the Brooklyn location will continue to the strong demand seen at their Midtown Manhattan location. And next, Houston-based Johnny Rhodes of Indigo is readying his second concept that he describes in the Restaurant Hospitality article as, quote-unquote, quality fast food with a large focus on African-American street food. No name for this restaurant yet, but the opening is scheduled for sometime in 2020. And in Denver, James Beard award-winning chef Alex Seidel is set to open another location of his successful mercantile dining and provision, this time in the Denver International Airport. According to the story, Seidel is quoted to saying to the Denver Post, we're trying to break the mold of a typical airport restaurant and really bring something special. The opening is set for the spring of 2020. And finally, Los Angeles top chef Nancy Silverton is preparing to open an Italian steakhouse named Barish in the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. Scheduled to open in January of 2020, Barish sounds like it will evoke a classic old-school Hollywood feel, but be updated to include a wood-fired oven as well. So that's it. 
Thanks to the team at Restaurant Hospitality for keeping us up on top of what some of America's great chefs have on the drawing board for them. And with the timing of these openings, there's a good possibility of tabletop still being discussed. So tabletop suppliers, here are your leads for the week. And in our next news story of the week, as if the traditional restaurant segment didn't need more competition. Now comes word that the meal replacement business needs to be added to the growing list of where we're getting our daily nutrition these days. And in fact, the research firm Mortar Intelligence states that the meal replacement products market is set to show annual growth of over 7% each year, now through 2024. Now, meal replacements, they've been around forever. So why the concern all of a sudden now? Well, some of the answer lies in lifestyle. As we all become busier and busier, we want meal products that are convenient and great tasting and that fit seamlessly into our lives that are more and more spent on the go. Secondly, more of us are looking for specific nutritional needs, whether it's to lose weight or to gain muscle or to conform to a specific dietary regimen. And for that, we're seeing more and more vegan, more and more paleo and more keto meal replacement products. And in fact, in a recent article, Nutrition Outlook magazine named the improvements in flavor and the ability to meet specific dietary requirements as major reasons for the growth in meal replacements. Meal replacements, folks, are no longer niche products. They fit into today's lifestyles and they check off the list of things we're looking for in in our daily nutrition and in our meals. Busy lifestyles demand convenience. And the increasing interest in eating healthy, whether it's plant-based or dairy-free, both two trends that are here to stay, all point to more competition for the traditional restaurant concept. And you're seeing the investment community respond to this growing trend as well. Knowing the sale of plant-based foods foods in the U.S. grew over 20% in 2018, the plant-based company Soylent raised $50 million in a recent funding round. And the British company Huel, started in 2015, has seen its business grow 150% year over year and is now selling over 50 million meals worldwide after only four years in business. As consumers around the globe become more educated, they're looking for more healthy and more functional options to meet their daily nutritional requirements. And while today's restaurant menus are indeed changing, the accelerating lifestyles that we're all living make it often more advantageous and better for you to choose meal replacements, whether they be solid or liquid. And all of those options are becoming much more convenient and much more flavorful. So just when you thought it was bad enough that the restaurant business was under assault from department stores, from grocery stores, from convenience stores, and really any other venue looking to drive traffic through their doors, it's now come town where we need to add point where we need to add meal replacement business as a true competitor to the traditional restaurant concepts. And as tabletop suppliers and even tabletop buyers, we all need to understand where today's trends are and where we are all eating our meals and getting our daily nutritional requirements. And in our final news story of the week, thank God there's still a home for and someone who still believes in comfort food and family-style dining. Tennessee-based Cracker Barrel has just announced it will invest $140 million U.S. dollars and take a non-controlling stake in the Punchbowl Social restaurant and entertainment chain. Currently, Punchbowl has 17 locations in 12 states, and it's set its sights on being an experiential millennial and Gen Z lifestyle brand that will create an authentic and social guest experience. The equity infusion will give Punchbowl growth capital for future development. And with over 600 locations and a certain style of its own, we're guessing that Cracker Barrel can help Punchbowl Social with their growth goals. 
And on the flip side, we're guessing that the perhaps younger demographic with Punchbowl Social brings, that can help attracting younger customers in different locations. And after our last news story on the growth of meal replacements, isn't it nice to know that Comfort Food still has a great home and looks to grow as well? In our first product segment this week, I want to talk not about a specific product, but more of an ability to create a product. In full disclosure, I used to work at the company, so I'm probably not fully unbiased in my opinion. But from my way of thinking, while others do a great job of creating custom dinnerware designs for hospitality, there are few who do the quality of design and then the execution of that quality design on custom dinnerware decoration better than Villaroy and Bach. We've just run another story on Tabletop Journal on a custom design from this German producer of dinnerware household ceramics. This story involved the dinnerware Villaroy created for a new themed hotel at Germany's Europa Park Amusement Park. By the way, in this case, Villaroy and Bach also supplied the hotel's ceramic sanitary ware. But whether it's this new hotel project at an amusement park hotel in Germany or the designs it creates for Disneyland Paris or even the Hotel du Capo, the Orient Express train's custom dinnerware done by Villaroy, the central theme of great design and excellent high-quality execution of that design is always there. To me, it seems as though the custom design dinnerware from Villaroy and Bach is a bit less literal than most and allows the dinnerware to be a bit more imaginative in its support of the guest dining experience. Colorful and imaginative? Isn't that what design is supposed to be all about? You can check out our latest custom dinnerware story on Villaroy and Bach by going to the journal page of Tabletop Journal. And in our final product segment this week, we wanted to provide an update on the latest information we have on the Durabor situation. Glass International is reporting that a recent European manufacturer, a manufacturer who is active in the glass sector, had come forward with an interest in acquiring Belgian-based Durabor. Well, all that now has fallen through, and the interested party has withdrawn its interest. Evidently, the interested party was not able to secure the funding that it had sought from several investment funds to make the project work, and to assure sustainable development of the Durable brand and company. Additionally, the interested party was proposing a temporary lease with conditions not acceptable under Belgian law. These conditions included various obstacles, including pertaining to worker rights and regulations on the operating permit required and other conditions as well. So now the local development agency will continue the process of shutting down the furnace and preparing to maintain for a successful restart should a successful bidder submit a takeover bid. If more news becomes available in the Durable brand, we will bring it to you. Now 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave sits down with Shannon Talon of Edward Don and Company and asks the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about trends in napkins. Hey everybody, we're back here again with Shannon Talon, the lovely and the talented category manager for tabletop and buffet wear at Edward Don and Company in Chicago. And Shannon, the question of the week is, uh, it really involves napkins. And we don't often think of napkins when we talk about tabletop, but we really see some fabulous designs in napkins these days in both paper and in cloth. Are there any trends that we should be watching for in the napkin and maybe uh, placemat areas? Yeah, what a great question and such a fun category. We, uh, because we talk a lot about obviously trends uh, in tabletop. And we talk about ways that end users want to differentiate themselves and their tabletop presentation and, and napkins and placemats are, are such a great way uh, for them to do that. As we've seen uh, traditional table linens 
sort of take a, a decline in the industry, the proliferation of placemats and runners and unique table coverings uh, of that nature and also t- traditional, um, even disposable napkins have, have really evolved. And so I, I think you got to look at those categories separately, the, the cloth or, you know, more permanent material and disposable. I think that we see in, on the permanent side of uh, permanent napkins and placemats, We've talked about it before. They're, they're, they're following the same trends as the traditional tabletop companies. As go the trends in, you know, dinnerware, um, so go, I think, trends in those types of table coverings. So whether it's textures and colors that are that are prevalent or uh, unique shapes, you know, you don't just have uh, rectangular placements anymore. There's round and organic shapes uh, and things uh, of that nature. There's table runners. Uh, that have, you know, sort of made a comeback. And then when you look at the disposable side of things, the, the paper napkins, we see the same thing. You, we've seen uh, designs and color. We've seen, you know, the rise of the, the paper napkins that look and feel almost like cloth napkins. And we can expect, you know, certainly that to continue because as there's unique challenges with having your own cloth napkins. Uh, sometimes that operators want the same look and feel or the same quality, but they don't want to have to deal with the, the permanent nature of the cloth product. So they're turning to those disposables. And obviously in the disposable category, sustainability and the quote unquote green angle is more relevant and, and, and prevalent and important to end users than ever before. You know, that was a trend, uh, the start of that trend years ago. And I think people wondered, well, is it here to stay? Will that ebb and flow? And that environmental responsibility and sustainable aspect uh, is not going anywhere. It is huge. Consumers and and, um, operators alike are so in tune to their, their carbon footprint, their impact on the environment, that we see a lot of that driving the disposable category as well. So a unique category between the two, between the the permanent item, the permanent options and the disposables. And I think we're going to continue to see really fun things from those categories. Now here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave talks about how crucial culture is for a company in today's accelerating speed of business. We've spoken here before about the accelerating speed of business in today's highly competitive hospitality environment. And it is true that businesses of all types, in all sectors, today must move faster and faster to simply maintain their relevance. But today, it's simply not a matter of always bringing forward more and more new menu concept types, or more new hotel room designs, or even more new tabletop product ideas. And while it is important, speed for the sake of speed is simply not enough. And unless an organization is truly prepared and truly understands the rationale and the vision behind the acceleration process, then that stress associated by such changes in speed can actually undermine the intended results. Simply compressing the bring-to-market timelines for faster and faster or increased number of new product interactions, or for the restaurateur, bringing about a rapid expansion of new operator location openings, those things in and by themselves will not bring about a sustainable approach to success today and going forward in the future. After all, doesn't the world already have enough shiny new objects or even shiny new restaurants? Today, speed for speed's sake is likely to be a recipe for running in place at best. And at worst, it can often mean running faster and faster in the wrong directions. Today, 
And looking forward, frankly, we see organizational culture, or said a little bit differently, the organization shared values that help bring about that group's repetitive behaviors. It's that culture, which certainly must include an element of speed, but it's that culture that will be the true differentiator for future success on all three fronts, hospitality operator, supply chain resource, or even hospitality manufacturer and supplier. The fact that an organization's culture is critical, there really can be no dispute about that. But that culture needs to be built upon a clear and a shared vision. That vision must be articulated consistently throughout the organization so that everyone understands it and believes it. And each team member needs to know their role in the mission, and then they must trust in the other team members to perform in their roles in order for that organization to achieve overall success. Being first to market with a truly new product design or new concept, that may provide initial success. However, that shiny new object success, however huge it is, will not be enough to achieve sustained and long-term economic success in today's hyperspeed, globally changing world. Those initial successes, they must be replicated. And most often, that ability to replicate initial successes comes from that organization's culture. So today, in today's world of constant innovation, instant communication, and buyer-consumer evolution, long-term sustainable competitive advantage will go to those organizations whose environment has been prepared and has a culture that attracts top talent, knows why it's there, and is fully prepared for the accelerating world we find ourselves in. An organization's culture can have a significant impact on the firm's long-term economic performance. So therefore, there can be little, few things in an organization that are more critical than its culture. So today, I ask you, consider the culture in your organization. Are you truly prepared for success today, tomorrow, and as far as you can see into the future? The answer lies in your culture. As always, I want to thank the Rockstar Category Manager, Shannon Talon, for joining us again today. And of course, I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in as well. And finally, I want to thank the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring in part this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And remember, be sure to check out their most recent tabletop advisor. You can download it from their website, www.don.com. Just go to their homepage and scroll down to the publications section. And there you'll find their latest tabletop advisor and all the publications that Edward Don and Company makes available to help food service and hospitality operators be so successful. We'll see you next time, but always remember, Tabletop Matters. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com.